We gathered this weekend to uh, it's the last uh, Sunday of the liturgical year with the uh, Solemnity of Christ the King. And uh, historically, there's been obviously some great rulers and, and kings through the centuries who used their power and authority to do, uh, to do good things. But there's also been uh, tyrants throughout human history who used their, uh, their kingly power, their ruling, to really create havoc and to be, uh, really do evil things. And so as we celebrate this, this solemnity, it's an opportunity to reflect on how Jesus, the king, wielded his authority and his power. And uh, someone who had some insight into this was one of uh, history's great power players, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. He, uh, he said this one time, he said, Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded great empires, but upon what did the creations of our genius depend? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this hour, millions of people would die for him. I think that's a good insight. Jesus never forced anyone to follow him. He never formed an army to be about to his, his kingdom purposes. Rather, he proclaimed a message that certainly brought life, even eternal life, brought forgiveness, healing, and transformed. But it had to be, had to be freely received. You know, he's being interrogated in this gospel today by, uh, by Pontius Pilate. And uh, Pilate asked him a very pointed question. Are you a king? And Jesus says, my kingdom does not belong to this world. And I think that was probably a head scratcher for uh, Pontius Pilate because he only, I don't think he understood what Jesus was, was talking about there. And he's probably thinking this is just another person bent on political power and you know, overthrowing the government. So he didn't have real insight into who, who Jesus was. Even Jesus' own apostles misunderstood him. Right up to the time of the, uh, the Last Supper, remember that, where they're, they're at the Last Supper? And you know, they've, been, they've been with Jesus for a long time, right there when he's healing people, miracles, proclaiming his message, seeing all the actions of Jesus. But here they are at the Last Supper, and Jesus gets up, he wraps a towel around his waist, gets a pitcher of water, a basin, and he starts to wash the feet of his apostles. And they really react to that, especially St. Peter, and they resist it. They can't, they can't understand it. Why is he washing our feet? He's the Lord. We should be washing his feet. Why did Jesus do that? He wanted to teach him a lesson about the true greatness in the kingdom of God, that his kingdom wasn't about who's the greatest, who's the most important, who's on top, but rather it's that humble service that can, can transform and that's what he wanted them to be about when he, would, when, when he would be gone. You know, eventually they would get it. And even St. Peter, who, who really resisted what Jesus was doing there, and we know that almost all of them would become martyrs. They would give their lives for the faith. What a transformation. Now, that, that's power that transforms the lives of others. And that's what Jesus does. And he continues to do through the, through, through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was on the cross... He wasn't wearing a golden jeweled crown. He was wearing a crown of thorns. And that says something also about Jesus' kingly power, how he exercised his authority and power. And he sacrificed everything. It was a sacrificial love that was willing to do anything so that others could have life, ultimately eternal life. What a powerful gift that is, but it can't be forced. It has to be freely received. But Jesus, when he went to, went to the cross, and, and who were the two people that were crucified right next to him? And either side of him, 
there were two, uh, two criminals. One of them stayed defiant all the way to the end, kind of snarling at Jesus. But the other one, maybe it, maybe it hurt Jesus, or maybe it's just what he sensed being right there on the cross next to Jesus. But uh, Jesus threw out one more seed of grace that would bear good fruit. And this criminal asked Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say to him? Today you will be with me in paradise. A grace freely given, freely received, that transformed. Now that, that's real, real power. And for us who are gathered here today and throughout human history, those who are his disciples, there's a key word that uh, when we're talking about Christ the King and what he can do in our lives, and it's, it's, it's the word surrender. You know, we hear a word like that, we think weakness, we think capitulation, we think loser, but in a spiritual sense, and it's really the testimony of the great spiritual masters of our tradition, that it's something that has to happen for a disciple, that this, this surrender to the Lord, to allow him to be on the throne of our heart and our soul, to give our yes. We don't do that very easily. And because of original sin, we, uh, you know, we've got that control thing going on. We, 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 I heard a person one time say the, uh, the first step in the spiritual journey is resigning as CEO of the universe. I mean, only, only the Lord is the ultimate CEO. And we're not meant to be in that place. But you know, we, can, we can really hang on to that, that control. And, but we have, to, we have to really surrender to his, his, his grace. And that certainly is a process. It's not that we, we're all the way there when we do give our yes. But if you're really going to be a disciple of the Lord, it has to happen. And we have to get ourselves out of the center. It doesn't mean we lose our identity or the, the gifts that God gave us. But rather, now they're used in light of what Jesus brings into our life as the ultimate he is the Lord. And to allow him to be the king and Lord of our lives. Really, every dimension of our lives you know, we might have some part of our life, well, I'm not ready to let him into that part of my life, but we, you know, as we grow in our faith and allow him to be the Lord, and you know, there's great peace and joy when we're in that place, when he's at the center. That's where we really know a deep, profound peace and love. And it's a love of another kind. And even someone like uh, Napoleon had some insight into what the millions of people are willing to die for him right now because of what they've freely received. So for you and me today, and maybe, maybe this is your first time here, maybe you're trying to find your way spiritually, I, I think that's, it's really the key, allowing Christ the King to be the King, the ruler, the Lord, of our heart and our soul, to allow him to be on that throne and to get ourselves out of the center. And what will happen is we will truly find ourselves as we allow him to do that and our purpose in life. And what does he want us to do? He wants us to be his disciples in the world. And it's through his grace that we're strengthened to do so. Just like those apostles who didn't get it at the Last Supper. And even that guy dying next to Jesus, he didn't get it right to the end. But God is, he's patient and he's generous. So let us ask him for that grace. Just one other thing I wanted to mention today. Jesus talks right at the end about truth. He has come to testify to the truth. What's he talking about there? I mean, the truth is the whole gospel message. But a, a dimension of that is that your life, my life, has a sacred value and worth because of who our creator is. And that's, that's, that's the truth. But it's not a truth that everyone believes in this world. 
And we know that sometimes life can be very cheap in our world. Just watch the news. And uh, from the time in the womb to the beginning, all the way to the end of life, there's all kinds of threats and there's a lot of violence. And I think the Lord asks us, his disciples, to be witnesses to that gospel truth about the sacredness and dignity of every human life. And that's a challenge to do that. And from the time in the womb, the beginning of life, all the way to the end of life. And I think he asks us to be that voice, especially for the voiceless. So as we gather today in this great solemnity, next weekend we start the season of Advent and begin our preparation for the incarnation of Jesus at Christmas. But as we gather on this day, let us ask him, invite him deeper into our heart and our soul to be the Lord, the one who is on that throne. And we will know a deep joy and a deep peace and a profound love of another kind.